Erev Tov. We are final piece of Harav Uziel in his HaTorah V'Hamesorah, the Torah and the tradition. We were discussing last week the different views of our Chachamim towards Agadah. There were some Chachamim, one Chacham who said that he, he cries at night from the Agadot. He was forced to study in that short period of time that he learned them. And Rav Uziel continues straight from there on page Kuf Chavtet. Kuf Chavtet. Yoter mima sheginu razal agada shalok etikna. More than that which our rabbis denigrated, agada, which was improperly worded, which was improper in general. Kilelu et darshanim, they cursed the speakers. Sheosim et derusham leshem hit paarut vihit ganderut. להראות חוכמתם בנושאים חמורים של מעשה בראשית. Next page. More than our חכמים despised those דרשות, those אגדות, which weren't proper, which didn't make sense. More than that, they cursed those speakers who turned these דרשות into the main part of their sermons. Who used them התפארות, to show off they were haughty, they were conceited with these Agadot. They discussed Ma'aseh Bereshit. It always amazes me when you go to a shiur, what's going to happen when Mashiach comes? When our Chachamim say they don't know what's going to happen exactly when Mashiach comes, but this guy knows. How exactly is it going to be in the next world? Well, this guy knows. How do they do it? Begibuv Devarim they collect all kinds of things that are lacking content. They collect bits and pieces of Agadot from here, from there. And they desecrate all that which is sacred. It's not just a Chilul towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's a desecration of those very texts that they're quoting. You know, people say, recently there was a video running around about rabbis and things they said. And the famous argument was taken out of context. Well, let's hear the context. I would like to see the context in which that stupid idea makes sense. That doesn't make sense. Because you're a spin master. That's your job in life. You take things from here, you take things from there, you mix them all together, you make... Aside from the fact that you're discussing Ma'aseh Bereshit in a nonsensical fashion. About them, our Chachamim say, this is a quote from Tehillim. It's a verse in Tehillim, chapter 31-19. That the lips that speak deceitfully should be silenced. The Midrash tells us that there are three ways to understand this word, Te'elamna. Itperchan, itrachashan, ishtatakan. Either, I'll translate the Hebrew, they should be tied up. 
יהיו חירשות, they should be muted, ישתתקו, they should be silenced. Those lips who speak deceitfully should be silenced. הדוברות על צדיק עתק, this is already back from תהילים, those who speak about an ancient, righteous, ancient one. החכמים say, who is a צדיק? חי עולמים. חי העולמים, the life of the world, הקדוש ברוך הוא. They speak deceit against who? Against הקדוש ברוך הוא. עתק, what does it mean עתק? שהעתיק בבריאותיו. That he concealed these matters of the creation of the world from those whom he created. The Pasuk continues, That this is a, uh, they speak with, uh, with uh, arrogance and, and um, uh, disgrace. What does it mean, Begava? How are they being arrogant? They reveal the secrets of creation in order to show off and to say, Even though my Creator didn't share with me the secrets of creation, I'm better than my Creator. I know more. I know better. I'm going to share that which He did not share. And what about the disgrace? This person who speaks about HaKadosh Baruch Hu this way should receive the curse of the Pasuk. What did it say right after Pasuk 19? How good is the greatness, the Tov that you have given or hidden for those who fear you, and not to those who disgrace you, HaKadosh Baruch These people should not be included in this category of all that good that you have, those people who speak deceitfully against you, who teach Torah against you, who teach Agadah against you, don't allow them to inherit from the goodness that you give to those who fear you. We've spoken about this in the past. When we did an introduction of the Rambam, we mentioned that there are all kinds of darshanim. We're going to read that again, by the way, now. But these darshanim come under the illusion, I'm just reading the text, that's all I'm telling you. And you say, of course you're reading a text. But you have no idea what you're reading. You're teaching things you have no license to teach. You're teaching things, forget license, you're teaching things without the knowledge required to teach them. And to who? To who are you revealing the secrets of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in such an evil and nonsensical fashion? And about this, we're on page Kuflamid. The Rambam spoke when he said, V'hem hadarshanim. These very superficial Torah speakers, they lose, or they cause to be lost, the beauty of the Torah. They darken its illumination, its light. 
and they transform HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Torah into exactly the opposite of what it's supposed to be. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu said in his pure Torah, that all the goyim who hear the Torah, they will say, This people, this great nation, this great goy, is an am chacham v'navon, is a brilliant and wise people. V'akatazot, and this group of Torah speakers, gormim shiomua shomeim, they cause directly that people should say, what stupid and, and ignorant nation this small, insignificant nation is. They've transformed the beauty of our Torah into things that people will look at and say, how disgusting it is that people say that. You know, this video that went around, it's not just this video, but any video of taking Chachamim here and there and this and showing the things they say. I'll give it to you. I'm sure there are some people that didn't say the things they said that way. But there are some people whose reputation already precedes them. And this is not from the stupidest things they have said. One rabbi retorted, this is made by a Christian group. What, the Christians? Who are they to tell us about the Torah? The deflection is just that. It's a deflection. If the Christians are your, they're your sworn enemies. To you, they're the stupidest of the stupid. And they're looking at your Torah and saying, how idiotic is this Torah that those rabbis teach? If that's what they think when they hear what you say, so not only should you not deflect back at them, you should take that as a lesson to heart. If the average person would hear the nonsense that comes out of your mouth, and they say, this is the, even, what do you mean Chachamim talk like this? Even, even fools don't talk like this. So you should be mortified that that's the way people think about us. Do you know how many times we would sit in the Bede Midrash with our parents, we'd come across a section of Halakha, and he'd say, listen, Rabotai, you're getting so caught up. This person says, that rabbi said, this book wrote, what is the reality? You want to know the reality? What do we do when there's a letter in the Torah? We're not sure if it's a, if it's a kasher or not. We bring up a small child who knows how to read, but is not an expert in what it is we're trying to get them to do. If they can tell us that that's a resh or that's a dalit, if they can identify the letter, it's okay. We're discussing the sugya of, of uh, sunset. Rabbeinu Tam, not Rabbeinu Tam. Now, I said, look, go outside now. Now it's pitch black outside. And you quote to me a chacham who says that the sun didn't set yet. That's what he says. That's what you're doing. If you're driving on Erev Shabbat when it's still dark outside, you're factoring in this false sunset for a Brit Milah. Then then you're denying reality because a chacham said so. Go ask somebody on the street. Don't ask someone in the Bet Midrash. Don't ask one of the brilliant scholars sitting around your table. Go ask a regular person here in the parking lot. Tell me, did the sun set yet? Is it right now, day or night? Rabbi Shalom Masas writes that when he came to Israel and he saw all these people observing this time of Rabbi Nutam, 
I'm angry at these people who think they're strict about this. He said, uh, this word, exact wording, it's an explicit pasuk in the Torah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu writes in the Torah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu called light day and darkness night. It doesn't make a difference who wrote what and who said what. If it goes against light is, is day and darkness is night, what do you want from us? If the things that are being taught in the Ben Midrash cause people to turn their nose at Torah, says the Rambam, this cut, this cult, this group is guilty of perverting the Torah to a place where it does the exact opposite of what it should be doing. It has the opposite effect than the desired effect that the creator of the world wanted the Torah to have. The ways of learning Halakha and Agada, our rabbis already taught us and they said in Masechet Sofrim, the ways of learning Halakha and Agada, the ways of learning Halakha and Agada, our rabbis already taught us, they said, Rabbi Chanina Bar Papa, Rabbi Chanina Bar Papa says, Panim bepanim diber Adonai Machem, Hashem spoke to you face to face. Panim, today, panim, face in Hebrew is plural, that's twice. Bipanim, again, twice. Today, arba'apin. So there now are four faces. What are four faces? Panim shel ema, lemikra. There should be an awestruck face when dealing with mikra, with the Torah itself. Panim benoniyot lemishnah. A neutral face when it comes to learning mishnah. Panim sochakot lehashas. A, a smiling face, a laughing face when it comes to learning shas. Panim masbirot la'agada. A friendly, understanding face when it comes to studying agada. You know these translations are not all accurate. The Gaon of Vilna has some interesting notes here on this piece of Masechet uh, Sofri. Uh, Hamikra, Reb Uziel now explains. Hamikra, the Torah itself. Hu ha'yisod l'chol ha'binyan ha'dorushi b'halakha v'agada. It is the foundation of this entire building called Halakha and Agada. And HaKadosh Baruch gave the Chachamim the ability, the permission to learn and to research and to analyze these verses. When we enter this holy chamber, we have to enter the chamber of the Tanakh with awe. And not with lightheadedness or with ego or arrogance. But with humility and fear. With a heavy head, meaning seriousness. And uh, immense immense depth. Because when we're dealing with the Torah itself, we want to understand it correctly and to rule Halakha truthfully. And when we come to study the laws of our Chachamim and the Mishnah and the Talmud, which were taught, and the Mishnah, which were taught in a clear and organized fashion, we have to have a neutral face, meaning a middle. What does that mean? 
Not in the same way that we study Torah. The words of our rabbis are not studied in the same way that we study the Torah. Listen to the sentence again. Because you're not allowed to push away things or reject things. But we have to come with a serious attitude. Even though it's not the Torah, we want to come and to understand it and to learn it and to know it. All of it. We want to know, to analyze the halachot properly, to know the reasons for the halacha properly. Because the Mishnah is the halachic and ethical codex of Judaism. And they were only put in the treasure chest of Torah after immense refinement and purification. פירושי התורה הכתובה ושלשלת הקבלה המסורתית מאז ניתנה התורה ועד חתימת המשנה על ידי רבנו הקדוש רבי יהודה הנשיא. The commentaries in the Torah, the transmission of the Torah from generation to generation, from the time the Torah was given until the time where רבי יהודה הנשיא wrote the משנה, על שני יסודות אלה are built on these two foundations, התורה והמשנה. The Torah and the משנה, or תורה שבכתב ותורה שבעל פה. The written law and the oral law. And now we have to have these new faces for dealing with halakha and agada. Panim sochakot ha'ashas. The attitude we have to the shas is a happy one, a smiling one. Pilpul talmudi hegyoni usvarai. It's an analysis of the talmud, which is logical, which makes sense. Which deeply analyzes all of the teachings in all angles that we can attack them. You dwell in the depths of halakha debating these matters. You want to understand the opinion of every one of the authors of those Mishnayot. You ask questions, you answer questions, you attack, you respond. You uproot mountains and grind them together. And from all of that debate and that argument and that conversation, you bring out, you extract pure halakha. Because usually people look at halakha as lacking all logic, having no reasons, and being very dry and boring. That's how most people think of halakha. You transform the dry, boring, illogical halakha, the davar chai, to something that's live, living, poreach, blossoming, toses, bubbling. I once spoke to someone who told me, Rabbi, I thought halakha is not supposed to make sense. Halakha is supposed to make sense? Who told you that? My Judaics teacher in elementary school. Let me guess, the same one who taught you dinim class for 17 years in a row. How many times are you going to learn the halakha of 
Which direction do you light the Hanukkah candles? Which direction do you put the oil in the Hanukkah candles? You light the shamash first, you light the shamash afterwards. You say the bracha first, the bracha after. you sing this song, you don't sing that. That's halakha. It's not halakha, that's like a parakeet. It chirps, memorizes things, it keeps moving. Transforming a dry, boring, illogical halakha to a living, breathing, blossoming, bubbling area of study is what's required of those who delve into the Shas. That when someone should delve... Oh, the, there's a charger in the pocket of that bag. It just blinked. It has no... In the purple bag. Tonight is a special night, Rabotai. Sorry. And the Mishnah, which is understood as something original, that one who analyzes it in depth, comes to feel from their intimate knowledge of the Mishnah, its originality and its gentleness. One becomes glad and happy with the Mishnah. And like the story says in Masechet Pesachim about Rav Sheshet, Kol Talten, every 30 days, Mehader Leil Talmudeh, he would review all of the Torah he studied. Vekai Ba'avora Dedasha, and he would lean on the doorpost, Ve'amar, and he would say, Chadei Nafshai, Nafshai, I'm, in Hebrew, Simchi Nafshi, I'm happy, be happy, my Neshama. Chadei Nafshai, be happy, my Neshama. I'm reading Torah, the Mikra, because of you. I'm studying the Mishnah because of you. There's a Chacham who, when he learns Torah, could not stop smiling, could not stop being happy, would literally lean against the doorpost. Wow! I'm so thrilled with what I'm learning here. How often is that the experience of those who study Torah? How often when you go to a Jewish school, to a yeshiva, to a Sunday, whatever it is you're going, they say, if you guys could be here or somewhere else, where would you be? How many of those people would say, I wouldn't give this up for the world? How many people would say, I get my joy, I get my love, my passion from learning Torah? How many people feel this way about the Chumash? You know, when we started Kilat Shahar Shamayim, we started with the Chag Shavuot. You know, Chag Shavuot has been, always been our flagship holiday. Staying up all night, learning Torah together, nobody going anywhere, nobody falling asleep, people just awake and learning and, and involved in complicated issues of Torah. Ending with Tfilat Shacharit and Musaf at sunset, at sunrise. I almost expected that. 
What I didn't expect is every year the joy of Simchat Torah. The joy of Simchat Torah to see people who come to the Beit Knesset not because they told me it's a holiday I'm supposed to bring a flag and wave it here. Not because there's an ice cream kiddush they told me I have to come hear the Ten Commandments. People in this room come to dance with the Torah that they spend every single day of their week learning and loving. And when you see people dance around the Sefer Torah, dance in front of the Sefer Torah, kiss and hug and love the Sefer Torah, do you realize what it's like to see a group of people who have been transformed by the Torah and continue to be transformed by the Torah? There's not one drop of alcohol in this Beda Knesset, Azim HaTorah. And the people dance and sing and are the top of the world and they don't need anybody's help. They don't need any artificial means of joy. To reach this level where you walk out of learning, you close your sefer, you kiss it, Agadosh I love you. The Torah that I'm studying is amazing. To tell your neshama, I'm studying this Torah for you. This is what makes us happy, right? The authors of the Mishnah and Gemara, not the authors, the studiers of the Mishnah and the Gemara, they're called in the mouth of our rabbis, there are two types of Torah scholars. What is a Sinai? What is an Oker Harim? Sinai is like Har Sinai. It's somebody who knows the whole Torah. They know everything. They have a, their, their knowledge is broad. They know all the Torah. Okay, Harim is somebody who knows how to uproot mountains. They know, they know how to, to dig deep and to analyze and to rip apart, to split hairs. The Chachamim say, which is better? Sinai or Okay, Harim? It's a fascinating conversation. Masechet Berachot. Sinai nikraze shamishnayot vabaraitot medurot no. I don't know if this is a typo, most likely not, but the Hebrew word that I would replace it with is Mesudarot. It's a person who's Mishnayot and Beraitot and their knowledge of Torah is organized. They understand the Torah in an organized fashion. They know from A to Z. And somebody who's an Okeh Harim is someone who's sharp, whose analytical skills are, are amazing. And when you can combine both of these character traits, Be'ishachad and one person, Niyoto gam sadran vegam palpelan, to be both organized and analytical, This is the greatest character trait in being able to extract the truth out of the Talmud. They're talking about Rabbi Ahmed, he was both Mesudar, he was both a Sinai and an Okeharim. When it says the Agadah is studied with a friendly face, because when you sometimes come across Agadot, that you simply can't handle them because of the way they're written. At least on a superficial level, they don't make any sense. We must analyze them and to take off, go beyond their exterior clothing and dig in deeper into their shape, into their words. 
הכוונה הסודית העטופה בהם, to uncover the secret intentions behind them. וכדברי הרמב״ם בהקדמתו לסדר זרעים נאמור, and like the Rambam himself, if you remember we talked about this already in the הקדמה of the Rambam, about the words of our Chachamim, all being codes to explain other things, deeper things, they're meant to be cracked, and they're meant to keep away secrets from other people. In the next paragraph, אי אפשר להכחיד תחת לשוננו, it would be impossible for us, says Reuziel, to deny כי בחלק האגדה, that in this portion of האגדה, נמצאו אגדות מרובות שהן נראות כמטמיהות בתוכנן ובסגנונן. So there are many, many אגדות in the Talmud, which when we read them, they feel like there's something missing, there's something off, there's something wrong with them. Whether in their content, whether in their style, something is wrong. It doesn't sit well with us. הרב עוזיאל זה הרטק, זה כופר. ורבותינו הגאונים זה אמרו, our rabbis, the Geonim, say, Katav Rav Shereh Gaon. Rav Shereh Gaon says, B'mgilat Setarim, En somchin al ha'agada. We do not rely on agada. Ve'en lemedin min ha'agadot. And he also says, We don't learn anything from agada. Ve'hanavon mihem, And those things that are, are wise, Ma'sha mitchazek min ha'sechel, U'min ha'mikra, those teachings of Agadah that make sense logically and they make sense in the context of the actual Torah that we have, we will accept them. And those who don't, those which don't, we don't rely on them. And Rabbeinu Haigaon writes, Anything mentioned in the Talmud is so much clearer and perfect and refined from that which is not written in the Talmud. ואף על פי כן, בנדלס, אגדות הכתובות בו, באגדות which are written in the Talmud, אם לא יכוונו או ישתבשו, if they don't make sense or something seems wrong about them, אין לסמוך עליהן, we do not rely on them. כי כלל הוא, it's a rule, אין סומכין על האגדה, we do not rely on האגדה. אבל כל הקבוע בתלמוד, but everything written in the Talmud, שאנו מצווים להסיר שיבושו, יש לו לעשות כן. But anything actually found in the Talmud, and if we have a chance, before we reject it, before we disregard it, to try to do our best to analyze it and to give it rightful meaning, proper understanding, we have an obligation to do that. And if we are unable to uncover its secret and it doesn't make sense for us, we treat it like anything else that's not a halakha. אבל מה שלא נקבע בתלמוד, אין אנו צריכים לכך. אם נכון ויפה הוא, דורשים ומלמדים אותו. And things that are not in the Talmud, we don't need it. If it's nice, it's acceptable, we accept it. ואם לאו, and if not, אין אנו משגיחים בו, we don't pay attention to it at all. The Talmud is made up of different parts. In the side of Halakha, we accept what's written in the Talmud. In the side of the Agadah, says Ramhai Gaon, not everything there makes sense. And those teachings that we can justify, that we can explain, those teachings we will accept and we will do our best to make them work in the context of that which we can accept logically and that which we can accept within our Torah itself. But those that we cannot, we simply won't. I wish, I wish those who teach little children, Chumash, with all kinds of fantastical midrashim, 
Yes, I've heard the argument. Well, the Midrashim make the kids excited. I know. I know it makes the kids excited. What happens to a child like myself? I cannot tell you how many times in my life as a young yeshiva student, I went to go look when I, when I started studying Chumash seriously. When I went to go look up things in the Chumash and they were not there. They were not there. Oh, that's a Midrash. You look at the Midrash, you see there's a hundred conflicting Midrashim. A hundred. On one sentence, twelve. Why did you only choose this one to teach me? The one, normally, that makes the least sense. You look in the beginning of Chaye Sarah. Every year someone asks me this question. Chaye Sarah, there's a Midrash. That Sarah Yimenu dies because of Avram Avinu taking Yitzchak to be sacrificed. And there are a few Midrashim that say that. That's correct. But there are also Midrashim that say the exact opposite of that. Why did you have to teach us the one that makes Abraham and Yitzhak's actions cause the death of our grandmother? For what reason? What motivated you? Noach is tzaddik. HaKadosh Baruch says Noach is a tzaddik. There's two midrashim there. Some say he was a tzaddik only bedorotav, only his generation. Some say he was a tzaddik in all the generations. Why do you have to go look for a midrash that says that Noach was not a tzaddik? Why? Why do you only teach me that one? If you're anyways teaching me midrashim, teach me all the fairy tales. Not just some of them. There are some midrashim that can be explained. They make sense. There are other midrashim that if a child is going to be challenged by someone in their life, wait, you really believe that? You really believe there was a frog that was as big as all of Egypt? That's what you believe? We mentioned that last week. Rabbi Akiva, slow down. Don't say this is I know that what I'm saying now might sound... Whoa, 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 slow down. Are you allowed to say such things? If we didn't say such things, we would be guilty of those who take HaKadosh Baruch Hu's beautiful Torah and turn it into what it's not. So now, we have our final question. If the Talmud is so perfect, and the Talmud is so refined, how did the Talmud, which is so refined, with 13 levels of refinement, we sifted and sifted and sifted, till the Achachamim gave us the Talmud. How did these inferior Agadot make the cut? By the way, I did read an essay from Achacham, who wanted to suggest that there's an argument between the Geonim and the Rambam. I don't know that I agree. I, I just saw it today. Who wanted to say that the Geonim believe that Agadot that don't make sense, you reject. And the Rambam wanted to say that Agadot that don't make sense, you simply say they don't make sense, they must be a secret that we don't understand. Listen, in both directions, we're not listening to the Agadot. I don't know if there is a practical difference or not, but it's something I have to think about. For now though, we're going to take the answer of Rabbi Yudan Levi. Al-Shel about this question. Meshiv Rabbi Yudan Levi answers and says, you know, it would be wise for us to restart the Kuzari, learn the Kuzari again, from where we left off, to keep going through. This is in the fourth essay of Kuzari, the third essay of the Kuzari. The king of Kuzar asked Rabbi Yudah the same question. The Chacham in the book of Yudah Levi. V'ani Kuzar, and I admit to you, king of Kuzar, Talmud, that in our Talmud, there are some things that I cannot find you 
bahem in them proper answers. I cannot answer them properly for you. And I cannot straighten them out for you. And what is the reason that the Baalei HaTalmud entered these entries, submitted these entries into the Talmud? Our Chachamim were of the opinion that the conversations of their rabbis required study. That everything their rabbi said was important. They were so particular to record everything they heard from their rabbis because they believed that everything they heard from their rabbis was important on some level. It's possible that they even recorded things that they themselves didn't understand. But they said, this is what we heard from our rabbi. This is what we received from our rabbi. We're assuming that it's important. That's why we're sharing it with you. But maybe even those chachamim who recorded those teachings were not aware of their reasons. Says But this all has to do with matters that are not halachic. It doesn't detract from the greatness of the Talmud, because this has nothing to do with Halakha. It has nothing to do with the way in which we live our life. It has to do with Agadot. Because of that, don't get so carried away. So, an Agadah is an Agadah. Keep moving. But our Chachamim entered these Agadot into the Talmud because they knew that their rabbis taught them. They knew that their rabbi told this story. They knew that their rabbi taught something this way. And because of that, they felt the need to record it even if they themselves didn't understand it. That could be a shiul for another time. Not only are they different in their content, they're also different in their style. Because the words of halakha were said with depth and with precision. In a very clear style. The words are concise, but are very heavy. They contain a lot. And the Agadot are not this way. Rather, they're there in the Talmud. And any time that one of them doesn't fit, doesn't make sense, we simply push it to the side. There are very few Agadot like this, but he's saying they are this way. Like the Rambam explains, the Agadot were written in rhymes and riddles. That there's a language that is meant to throw off, like he mentioned, the Tzidukim, all the different heretics of the time, the Minim, the early Christians. They wear an exterior clothing that the people who read them superficially understand one thing, but those who know the Agadah secrets read them completely different. And these words compel us to analyze them deeper. To penetrate into its deepest chambers. To understand the Agadah's true intentions. 
until our logic is able to grasp. So whatever we can expect, our logic can handle, that's as deep as we're required to study. Then we have an obligation specifically towards the Agadot which are chosen and mentioned in the Talmud itself. And we should nullify and remove all the Agadot which appear bewildering, unusual, off-putting, whether in their content or in their style. The words of Halakha and Agada are said When we teach Agada, we teach Halakha, they must be taught nicely, in a, in a beautiful fashion. Clearly. And organized. And like our Rabbi say in Shir HaShirim Rabbah, And anyone who speaks Torah in public, and they are not sweet to those who hear those words, like the, the fine flower that is, rises to the top of the sifter, it would have been better for him not to share those words of Torah. If the Torah that you teach is not beautiful, if the Torah that you teach is not accepted by the people, if the Torah that you teach does not make Am Yisrael proud of the Torah, does not lighten up the eyes of the world, it will be better for you not to say it. And if you are Ben Torah, you are one who smells like Torah, you will not be arrogant enough to say things before the community. The Midrash Talchuma says, that a person shouldn't be haughty. Don't teach words of Torah that you haven't reviewed yourself. Don't come to Shio unprepared. Don't come and teach things that you don't know. Peretz always pushed us further. You might understand something on paper. You might read it, know how to translate it, know how to explain it. But if they don't sit well with you, if they're not agreeable to you, if you're teaching something that betrays how you really feel, don't teach it. Don't teach things that are not yours that you don't own. It's not your Torah. If this is the way our Chachamim said about things that people speak to the public, how much more so when you choose what to write down in a book for generations? You have to be very careful. What do you write? How do you write it? What are you sharing? What is the message that you're trying to bring across? What are you accomplishing? Are you accomplishing? With these questions, Harav Uziel is sending us off into the world of Agada. Halakha and Agada are twin sisters. Neither one is inferior or superior to the other. They both need each other. Like Harav Uziel said, when they are woven together, they are a powerful force that cannot be reckoned with. But unlike Halakha, which is a blazed trail, it is clear, we understand it, we have thousands and thousands of books explaining and, and, and simplifying, clarifying halakha for us. Agada is gan na'ul achotikana. You are a locked garden, my sister, my bride. There's so much murkiness in that water. The water runs deep, but on the surface, 
it seems like you cannot navigate it. Bezalat Hashem, with the help of the Chachamim, we will assist, will assist us, we will rely on them to assist us. I am certain that we will blaze wonderful trails in the world of Agadah. Bezalat Hashem, next week, I'm looking forward to do one final Hakdama with you. The Hakdama of Rav Chaim David Halevi in his introduction to his book of Halakha, the first of its kind to incorporate both Halakha and Agadah. Somebody who is both a student of Rav Uziel and Rav Kuk. Somebody who knew how to weave worlds together seamlessly and perfectly. That's for next week. Have a beautiful week.